You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? We have a special presentation from Boot Crew Media here. We're going to do a little bit of a live stream, answer your Saints questions. It's a busy time for the black and gold, especially after acquiring Derek Carr. So we'll get into all that. And if you guys have anything fun you want to talk about, about your new QB, about maybe Michael Thomas, about the draft, about free agency, we'll answer that right here. Chris Ogle alongside Saints reporter John Hendricks and Saints fan favorite former wide receiver Lance Moore. Uh, how's it going, guys? Going great, man. Trying to uh, to decompress from the combine and all the Derek Carr stuff. It's a busy time, but you know what? I'd rather be busy than sitting on my hands and knees. And man, I tell you, the uh, Saints off seasons are never dull. I'll tell you that. And over ten years of covering this team, never a dull moment, sir. I'm good too, man. But but you know what? The thing that I'm most excited about is the fact that we don't have to go into this off season and into the season without knowing who our quarterback is going to be. Like just that mm-hmm. alone to me is great news for us to be able to have to build from. Um, shoot, man, it's, this is like this is like an early Christmas present. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I people have asked me all week how I feel about the Derek Carr situation, I, and I know we'll get into it. Um, but as you can tell, I'm, I'm I'm super excited. And look, you guys have been on with you know the team for a long time, but the last two years, man, like as an analyst and a former player have been so frustrating for me just to watch this team play and specifically at the quarterback position, not knowing who's going to be out there, but now we know who's going to be out there. So that we can put that part to bed and figure out what's going to happen these next several weeks with free agency in the draft. I can't remember which one it was, Lance. I think it might've been Arizona, but I was, I was over there and I just reading your body language the whole time. Looks like how, how dysfunctional, how like tough it was to watch because you knew the team had talent. You knew that they could do things, and it's just crazy to see how it just fell apart. And then ah, it's just hard. But I remember that just being around you and seeing that, and it's just like, man, what in the, the heck is going on here, really? Yeah, I mean, look, when, when I played, clearly I was there with Drew Brees for a long time, and we went into every single game thinking that we were going to win. We had Drew Brees mm-hmm. as our quarterback, and we knew that he could be Superman if we needed him to be, but most of the mm-hmm. time we didn't because we all played with confidence knowing that we had him as our quarterback. I can only imagine how these guys have felt the last couple seasons, not knowing who's going to be the quarterback from week to week, and then just not having a top-tier or even a mid-tier level quarterback to be the consistent starter, um, shoot, man, this is this is this is great news for all of us. And um, you know, I'm not ready to commit and say that we're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think that this team will be a lot better um, than the last two years for sure. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And uh, you know, for anyone in the live chat right now, make sure to get your questions, and we will get to them momentarily. Uh, but you guys talked about that kind of that uncertainty at quarterback, and I'm really fascinated because I think we're all in agreement in terms of. This is definitely more of a pro than it is a con for the Saints getting a Derek Carr. No more worrying about, is there a quarterback competition? Who's going to be the starter week to week? In terms of how much it moves the needle, have you guys ever thought about that yet? Do you feel like, I know Lance, you just mentioned that you think it might be too early. And I I agree, it's definitely too early to start analyzing in terms of Super Bowl contender or whatever, because there's still so many moves that need to be made. It's only March 9th. But in terms of moving the needle, where do you guys see Derek Carr in that kind of class of quarterbacks uh, you know because for me personally obviously and i've said it before is he elite like let's say a drew Brees you work with no i i, w- I would say no but 
man, his best seems to be sometimes in that top 12 to top 13 range. And I think that is good enough, especially for a team that has a defense like the Saints. So I'll go to Lance and then we'll go to John. What do you guys think about in terms of how much of the needle gets moved here with a guy like Derek? Well, I mean, playoffs are bust, in my opinion. I mean, we, we've got to be right now today. We've got to be the favorite to win the South. Um, obviously, we know if we win the South, not only do we make it to the playoffs, but we host a playoff game. And then you never really know what can happen once you get there. I mean, obviously, teams get hot late and, and a hot team is harder to beat. Um, but I think that this is I mean, shoot, man, this is this is huge for this team with this specific roster um, heading into free agency in the draft. we got a first round pick back, even though it's a late one. I mean, this is this is all positive news. Um, the needle has definitely been moved, um, you know, to, like I was one of those people that was on the Jameis bandwagon because I knew the type of talent that he had. It was just a matter of staying healthy for him. Right. I mean, the first first year that he was here, he sat and he didn't play. Then he goes and he balls out for seven weeks and blows out his ACL. Then, you know, this last season, obviously, we know fractures in his back and his ribs and all kinds of stuff. So you never really got to fully see what he could do. Um, but the team's got to do what it's got to do. If they if they don't see a long term vision in a player, they're going to find somebody else that they think is better. Um, and I mean, it's not like Derek Carr is a slouch. Um, there's been a lot of comparisons. Oh, it's, it's An Andy Dalton 2.0. Well, which Andy Dalton? I mean, I, I said this on Sirius XM NFL radio yesterday or two days ago, which are we talking about prime Andy Dalton who was really, really good and made pro bowls and won divisions and got his team to the playoffs. Or are we talking Andy Dalton last year? Uh, because I think Derek is definitely a better player, way better player than what we saw from Andy last year. And Andy wasn't that bad. So, um, I think the best version of Andy can absolutely, I mean, excuse me, the best version of Derek can absolutely get us to the playoffs. And once we're in the tournament, baby, we got a defense, we've got a, a dynamic running back and playmakers on offense. Um, it, could be, it could be pretty exciting times for, for the who that nation. Yeah. Look, and just to piggyback off that, I mean, look, the, the thing is it, when you look at the NFC, they're far less superior conference right now, right? And if you look at the top quarterbacks, especially if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, who's your top three, four? You know, Jalen Hurts is obviously probably a guy that's in that conversation. I think Carr has to be in that top three, four conversation instantly just because of the upside there. And so, look, the Saints making this move, look, they they believe he is a long-term guy. I mean, that's why they invested in him. They believe he's got the, the he's going to have a lot of trust. He's going to have a lot of involvement in the offense. He's excited about working with Pete Carmichael particularly. And, and I think one of the things that you hit on for sure with this is that, you know, when Drew was a part of the offense, Drew would make a lot of checks at the line, right? And when Drew was out of the building, a lot of that fell on guys like Eric McCoy and the offensive line. And I'm not saying that, that offensive linemen can't do, but there's something to Drew being able to do that. And that's something that I think they're going to get a lot of from Derek Carr is just being able to control this offense a good bit and just being ha having that upside is going to really help their offense just shine a good bit. And look, Carr's never had anything higher than a top 20 defense. The Saints are middle of the pack and they're going to be okay. Now they got some things to figure out, but look, the addition of them, I mean, again, you're supposed to run the NFC South. These teams that like Atlanta and Carolina are already saying that they're not going to be involved with Lamar Jackson. That's crazy to me, but you know, look, um, Tampa is going to be in a rebuild mode. Atlanta, 
they got money to spend. They could could make a, a threat, but who's their quarterback? Are they going to ride with Desmond Ritter? Are they going to look at something else? And in Carolina, new coach, new regime, I think that can go either way, but they still have some things that they got to work on too. But I, I think the Saints, where they can get some key pieces filled, they can be a legitimate contender. Starts with winning your division, obviously, but again, you want to play your best football going into January, and if they can get into the dance, you've seen wild card teams get hot. I mean, all you have to do is get there. And then you can get a, a game or two in the dome and see what happens. The Saints aren't a bad road team; just they've had bad luck over the past couple of years and such. So I feel good about them potentially threatening. But let's get to the playoffs first, you know, in that drought real quick—a two-year drought—and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, that, that that's a great point. And you guys mentioned Lamar, by the way. I I can't tell you the relief I kind of had when those reports started coming out. Not for Lamar's sake, obviously. I'd love to see Lamar uh, get the money he deserves. But if he could stay out of the NFC South, that would definitely be. Uh, the preference here. So let's get to some questions. This one obviously directed personally for Lance because I know, you know, myself and John aren't scoring touchdowns in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> before he lands, uh, what's your favorite touchdown that you've scored in your career? This comes from Jack. Oh, man. My favorite touchdown. Um, oh. He's like, there's too many that I caught from Drew that were yeah, so well, memorable. Well, so. Well, not, I mean, not, not that. It's just like. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if he said what was the favorite score, I would say obviously yeah. the two-point conversion, but that's not a touchdown. So right, right. Um, I, I'll give him two. My very first touchdown, um, Seattle 2007 on a Z behind, um, and then the touchdown in London um, 2008 playing against the Chargers down the left sideline, double move. Um, and I say that because after the first one, um, 07, that was shortly after my grandfather passed. And then after the, the other one in 08, that was shortly after my grandmother passed. And so mm -hmm. it was like those ones mean a little bit more to me, not as far as significance of game or anything, but just heavy heart going out and playing and uh, doing something significant in that moment to kind of say, you know what? I love you. This is for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think those are my two favorite. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there you go, Jack. Two for the price of one uh, on that question. We'll move to the next one from Hank. I'll kick it to John, and then we'll go to Lance here. Who would you love to see in a Saints uniform this year, free agency or draft? So I guess, you know, have your have your pick here, John. Man, I don't know. There's a lot of people. I mean, I think uh, I'd love to see Michael Thomas back in a Saints uniform this year. <laughs> I think that's probably where I'd start right there. Uh, but, you know, look, I, I think when you look at the needs here, um, you know, a defensive tackle is going to be a huge need for him. And it won't surprise me if the Saints go 29 and get them or – they possibly look at an upgraded receiver or tight end guy like Dalton Kincaid is somebody. Reed from Alabama is another one if they're good at runner. But I think that they really need to look at building part back this defense. They may lose Caden Ellis. I think that the fear is that he there's a 3-4 team out there that sees Caden Ellis and will pay him a little bit more. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, and look, uh, you know, I think for them, DT is probably where they go. They're going to be shoppers in free agency for running back. They're going to be in, uh, shoppers in free agency for defensive tackle. They're going to be looking at a lot of positions, right? And so I don't know if I have any favorites just because, you know, this is always a fluid situation and there's going to be so many players that become available that you don't think uh, uh, at first or you're just looking at, you know, guys like not saying that the Saints will ever get them, but Adam Thielen becoming available. I think that's a team or player that – you know, you kind of look at it and be like, oh, that's interesting. Or Allen Robinson, maybe he needs a fresh change of scenery. But, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of upgraded toys. I don't think the Saints are going to be high-priced spenders this this offseason. 
but I do believe that they can do some bargain men shopping, some get some guys, you know, running back. They'll see what they have to do. Defensive tackles need wide receiver tight end because uh, they got to get a possession guy. Somebody can help to move the chains and they're going to have to look at the safety spot because they got some free agents. They're going to have to see if they can keep any of them. And then obviously uh, look at the draft, but you know, I'm not tied to anybody specific because it always happens. Well, I am. Um, I know that we have need on the defensive front, both inside and outside. And I, I would imagine they're going to address that in the draft. I don't know how much money we're going to spend in free agency like you, um, but I'm going to give you a name that most people probably aren't talking about. And as a receiver, I know how important this position is and how poor this position was for us last season. I'm going to go with Jimmy Ward. Slot, safety, Mr. Do-It-All defensive back that can be moved around. He's versatile. He's tough. He's got great ball skills. You can rush him off the edge. Like I, I watched so much of him last season, and I was kind of in awe because generally it's not a safety, a full-time safety that you move down in to play the slot. Sometimes it is. Some, some guys are good enough to be able to do that. We've seen Tyron Matthew do it over the years. We've seen uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson do it. I, I'm still angry that we don't have him still on our team. Um, Jimmy Ward, I, he might priced out of our price range um, because of how well he played. And I read um, just yesterday that he's wanting to move back to safety. But in this defense – he can play all the positions. I mean, because that's how D.A. kind of – he has three safeties on the field most of the time. And we need a major upgrade in the slot. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. We traded Chauncey away and could never replace him. We definitely couldn't replace his production. But, I mean, his toughness, his leadership on the defense. I mean, you could tell. It was a glaring hole on our defense. And we all saw what he did in Philly. I mean, shoot, he had six picks before he got hurt. And I think there were seven or eight games to go in the season. So, like, he was on track to have ten or more picks. Um you just you let a guy walk out of the building. And I know Sean has you know, talked about this time and time again over the years. Like one of the regrets that you have as a coach is you let somebody out of the building and he goes somewhere else and plays better. It's like, oh, no, like this guy is even better than what he was when he was here. And, and maybe we didn't allow him to do all the things that he's good at here. Um, so I think I think Jimmy Ward would be an, an amazing fit for this defense and somebody that could come in and contribute in a big way right away. Yeah, that, that's a really intriguing name. Jimmy Ward, like you mentioned, this is a guy who's a safety, goes to the slot for the Niners this past season. He was just outstanding. And uh, his market will definitely be rich, but if you put him on that same secondary, that, that would be exciting uh, to watch there. Grant asks, what position do you guys think is most important to address with the Saints' first-round pick? And what are some players for that position? Uh, before I send it to you guys, I'll just kind of keep it basic here. You guys mentioned about defensive line. Defensive linemen, are, I feel like, are so expensive at this kind of stage in the NFL and kind of rightfully so because of the impact they could have. So whether it's the defensive lineman from Pitt, I know people like Van Ness from Iowa. I believe there's a Baylor defensive lineman that's kind of risen up the draft boards. I, I would just love to see them go D-line at 29 anyway, and I know Saints fans might get you know a little upset about that because the last couple of defensive linemen maybe haven't hit their potential yet in the black and gold, but that's kind of what I'd be looking at. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think, though. What position would you guys go with uh, with that first rounder. If let's say you have everything mapped out, but you still have a certain need, you really want to hammer home, which one would it be for you guys? Yeah, I think if, uh, you know, look, they haven't invested in a defensive tackle since David on in 2016. And I get, they, they used a sixth rounder on Jordan Jackson last year, but 
you know, look, they haven't done it in a while. And, uh, you know, I think about guys like Sheldon Rankins and, you know, some of the success that they have had over there. And it's going to be interesting because there's no Ryan Nielsen now to run that defensive line. And so it's going to be interesting to see where they're at as far as how they develop. You know, look, um, Marcus Davenport, he's expected to test the market right now. And they feel good about what they have right now with Peyton Turner. He's going to be a big guy that needs to make ah. a huge leap. Tano's a big one in there. Uh, Cam Jordan, obviously, and then Carl Granderson. So with Peyton, he's got to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing for him. But, you know, it's it's a, been a really pro big problem. But, again, they like his upside, but you got to be available. And so I could see DT for sure because they've only got one guy that's on the roster. It's a reserve future guy, and they could bring back Onyemata. Um, they're going to have to find their next Malcolm Roach and the, the shy Tuttles of the world. They're going to have to find those guys. But, you know, look, when you talk about – games are one in the trenches and stuff you feel pretty solid on the offensive side i think the defensive side there's a lot to the imagination and look the last thing you want to see is you look at last year they got gashed against the run a good bit you know it wasn't what we thought it would be and i think it's because of some of the interior play i think there's a lot of factors missing a guy like cj gardner johnson i think that had a factor in it as well and um so i think you got to build from the inside if you're going to go with a sexy pick, a running back, again, I don't think Bijan is going to be there at 29, but, you know, I like Reed from Alabama. This is a heavy running back draft. You can get guys in day two and be happy or day three and be happy. And then if you're looking at upgrading a, a, a pass catching option, I like Dalton Kincaid a lot at 29. I like all those. Um, it's funny. They asked what is the, the, the most important position, and John just said all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it so, is. I, uh, I I was thinking running back late first round. There's going to be plenty of guys there, um, and and we don't know what the situation is with AK. Right? I mean, is is he going to be suspended? Is he not? Um, and we we need another running back. Um, I'm I'm not sure that Mark Ingram will be back. Um, we need depth at that position. But if Caden Ellis leaves in free agency, I think for sure we're going linebacker. Um, you know, I I, I see. Demario Davis still being an impactful player, but not being the same player that he was two or three or four years ago. Um, Pete Warner stepping into his own, but can he stay on the field? Um, and we saw how important and how big Caden Ellis was for us last year. And I'm not expecting us to draft somebody in that player to be Caden Ellis or to, to have that instant impact. But we've got to start thinking about age on our defense um, a lot more than people probably like to admit. Um, and at some point, DeMario's not going to be here anymore. Um, he's either going to be cut, traded, or retire from football. And we need to have somebody that's ready to go at that position. Um, and what better way to do it than to have somebody that's there playing some this year and at some point being able to take over, learning from him first, and then being able to take over. Um, I think that's a necessary position of need for us. And um you know, if I'm if I'm thinking way outside the box, um, you know, I think that's that's where I would go with it. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point about the age part of the defense. We think about how good this defense is, but when we start going into the the youth of it, you know, you have Lattimore, you have Adebo, you have Alante Taylor, you have Pete Warner. Outside of that, it starts to get a little dicey in terms of the average age of the defense. But someone that you guys just actually brought up before, I remember, John, you just mentioned it, and we'll go to this question just to kind of keep it smooth here. Uh, you mentioned Peyton Turner and kind of, when is that moment going to be a uh, question from Brendan here? Do you think Peyton Turner will turn the corner this year? I know that's such a you know tough question because no one really knows, but you get to see him on kind of a day-to-day -day basis over the course of the season, John. 
what what is it in terms of Peyton Turner? Do you feel like it's the health aspect? Do you think it's a little bit of the health, also the development process process of it? Uh, what's kind of the confidence level in like, yeah, he will turn the corner because there are moments. I, I look at the Raiders game. I thought he flashed in that game, you know, a bunch of times, but it just hasn't been on there a consistent level. So what do you think for next season? I mean, look, the lack of avail availability stunts your development, I feel like, right? And I think that you can cite somebody like a Marcus Davenport. When he was a part of the offseason plan, when he was there from start to finish, he had his best year with the Saints. And so I think it's no different probably for a Peyton Turner. you got to be available. And I think that's the first step for him is being available. You know, I, I get some things happen, and you got to take care of your body. you got to do things. And, look, there were things about Davenport showing up last year overweight and just not not in the right fit uh, as far as where he's supposed to be playing and such so but as far as Turner goes I think that's the first step is that you got to be available you got to be in a position to put in some extra work right and look I don't think you're going to get a bulk of the rotation right now and so again it's it like I said it begs the question what's going to be the vision at defensive end particularly because with Ryan Nielsen they rotated a ton of the defensive linemen and so I don't know you're not going to get you know, 90% from Cam Jordan, like as far as the snap usage in a game, I just don't think they're going to do that because they like to rotate. They like the Carl Granderson and where he's kind of growing up. Tano might have a bigger role here. And so for Turner, look, he's just got to be able to flash and show it and, and be able to stay consistent. I think the biggest thing is don't get wrapped up. Um, you know, I remember seeing stuff about Davenport that, you know, he let a lot of the outside influence get to him because of the pressure of being a, a first round pick and just having all sorts of things. And when he kind of found himself and, you know, Turner might be in a similar situation that he's expected to do a lot because he is a first round pick. And so I think he's entering a very pivotal year for him, but he's just got to be a part of the, the off season program, stay on the field, continue to learn and grow. Maybe some fresh perspective will help him, but you know, they do believe that that player is still in there, but again, we'll have to see. And I wouldn't bank everything, you know, the future or the pass rush being on somebody like Peyton Turner. He's just, you got to have another solid plan in the mix. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think, look, it's you said it, but I'm going to say it how Mike Tomlin always used to say it. Your greatest ability is your availability. If you can't be on the field, we don't know what you can do. And to make it even worse with a player like Peyton Turner is the fact that we traded up to get a player that nobody really knew about. <laughs> nobody thought that he was going to be a first round pick. So once you're a first round pick, it's not just the pressure, right? There's, there, sure, there's pressure on you. It's the expectations that people put on these type of players. Man, we moved up in the draft for you, man. We traded something away to get you. What are we getting in return? Not a lot thus far. But I will say, if he has a full offseason, like you said, John, and he has his mind right, and if Davenport leaves, there's going to be more reps for him going anywhere we're not cutting him this year he's gonna be around so if there's more reps for him to be had obviously cam jordan is older moving into year 13 um carl granderson came out of nowhere the last couple of years last year i think he was the most effective guy in my opinion he made the most plays um so as a first round pick i think he needs to take it personal he needs to be like man i, I should be the future here not these other guys i don't care how many reps i get i'm gonna make each one of those reps that i get count I think it's going to start with his mentality, the work that he puts in, and then finally it's going to be his – it's going to boil down to that. Obviously, he's talented because we've seen it from time to time, but, you know, your first-round pick and, and eventually going to be a starter, It's we got to see it on a consistent basis. 
I'm not expecting 27 sacks from him, but I would like to see him make plays every single game. Play in every single game and make some plays every single game. That's what, that's what we should expect from a first-round pick. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. And you know what? You mentioned the expectation part. I think for Saints fans who are kind of worried about this situation and being impatient, uh, I, I totally get it. The flip side would be we just saw with Cesar Ruiz, like that that was a couple of years of frustration. And all of a sudden, you know, throughout this season, everyone's talking about look at the great play he made here. Look at the hole he opened up there. So uh, it could come through. Hopefully this is the breakthrough for him. Now, I know we mentioned before, kind of too early to tell what this team will be, but, but Keon asked this, I feel like, this would be a fun one if we want to just rattle off a quick answer. How many wins are we predicting for next season? I'll, I'll just go real quick. Last year, I said 10 and 7. Clearly, I was way wrong. I'll just keep it at 10 and 7, which could be a little bit conservative if we think about what this team could do with its full potential, but that's what I'd probably leave it at. Uh, John, what do you think? And then we'll swing it over to Lance. I think 10 or 11 sounds about right. I mean, you got to play the AFC South, right? Um, that's a little bit tougher of a division in some aspects, like the Jags. I don't know what the Titans are going to be. You know, some of those other interconference opponents you got to play in new england again i i think if they can run the division i feel good about them getting to 11 you know again going five and one against division would be huge for them i think some of these other nfc north opponents detroit's going to be a little bit tougher for you this year i don't know what you're going to get out of green bay minnesota will probably be a tough draw and chicago is kind of a toss-up so i feel like most of the pieces on the schedule it adds up. It lines up for a pretty decent to good season. But, you know, look, you got to see how things come together with Mike. You got to see how everything comes together with the offense, the defense, and just, you know, overall feelings. I think 10 and 7 sounds about right. Maybe an 11 win ceiling right now. And, um, you know, that would be huge for DA because he needs a bounce back season. Everybody needs a bounce back season in New Orleans. So, but I tell you what, 9 and 8 would probably win this division next year for sure. Yeah, I, look, I, I think I, last year I was way off. I said 12 and 5. Um, so, I, but look, we're, we're way too early. Like, we haven't even hit free agency. Obviously, after that is the draft. We have an entire offseason. This is like way, way, way too early. But I, I would say 11. And I think that even 11 is conservative with what I think this team can be if they add some pieces. Um, John, you, you, you think the AFC South is tough. I think the AFC South stinks. And I think that the, I think that the Jaguars are definitely a beatable team. Because like, when they play well, they're really good. But when they don't play well, they aren't very good either. I think Tennessee is going to be down. I think Houston isn't going to be very good. And Indianapolis, I mean, they're, they're not very good either. So all of those games are winnable. So um, I, th I think 11 wins is realistic. Um, but I also think that we're way, way too early to kind of make this call because we don't know what this roster is going to look like come, come August today here in the beginning of March. Yeah, and the too early part might be a good thing. We might, you know, in two months from now feel even better about this team and go, all right, maybe 10 and 7, that's a little too, uh, too conservative. Bump it up by a win or two. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Houdat Nation 97 asks, do you guys think we should add another wide receiver in free agency? Uh, would like to see Odell on the squad. Lance, start off here since we're talking about wide receivers. It doesn't have to necessarily be Odell Beckham related. I know we hinted about Michael Thomas and, and a deal could get done there to keep him on board. Uh, but what do you think about this receiving core and whether or not they got to add another piece or two? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it starts with Mike T. I mean, if, if he's around, I think we'll still add another receiver. We need depth. But um, if, if Mike T is not around, absolutely. There, there's got to be a veteran presence in that wide receiver room. It can't just be run by uh, Rashid Shaheed and, and Chris Olave. Like we need to have a, a veteran that's been there and done that 
Um, and I, I don't know. Um, I, I just it, it's hard for me to say. I would love to see Odell in the Saints jersey. Let me just start with that. Um, but we got to see if if Odell is going to be like really healthy enough and Odell again. Um, I would I would love for him to come in and be healthy and be able to um, you know help this offense in any way. And I and I don't think I don't think he has to come in and be the the Odell of of old. I mean, I, I think he just has to come in, be healthy, um, you know, put some pressure on the defense, make some plays here and there. Um, Cause we got some, we got some dudes now. These, these two young guys are special. And I said it all last season, like the moment is not too big for either of these guys. Obviously there, there's a huge difference between a first and an undrafted agent, but both of those guys can ball. And, and, you know, you add a quarterback now that can, you know, deliver the football where it needs to be. Most of the time, um, they're, they're going to be special. So I, I think, yes, we're going to add a receiver. Um, it just depends on what happens with Mike T. I think, I think Mike T being in the fold will be great for us. Um, but if he's not, we absolutely are, are going to add a guy. Um, and I would love to have Odell. Yeah, quick answer would be yes, I think so. I think they're going to be shoppers in free agency. And so I think that, you know, Mike Thomas is going to be a big piece, but I don't think you would put all those eggs in that basket. And I know Mike, when he's out there, he can be on fire. He can do everything that you want and then some form. It's something they absolutely have missed there. And so I, I don't see him just even if they get Mike back in the building, I don't think that they'll stop there. Look, I'm, I'm curious. I know some people probably haven't talked about it much. I'm curious if Jarvis doesn't take another run here just because of the quarterback situation figuring out itself. And, you know, last year was disappointing with the ankle injury and then he had a setback after that. But, you know, I don't know if Jarvis was ineffective just because of who was playing quarterback and the scheme that was dictated. I don't know if you get a guy like Carr in the building, can Jarvis be more effective and, and such? And I, I, I just, it's something to think about, but you know, um, they've got Traquan obviously still on the, the roster too. I, I just think that, you can't just have the, the offense shouldered by Alave and Shahid. Thomas would be great. I think Jawan Johnson was great for him last year. A lot of great in, in the red zone and just did a lot of things for him. Troutman's got to take another leap. I know he's more probably the, the blocking guy at some points, uh, but they just got to get somebody. When the Saints were – I talked about this the other day on, on, on radio is that when they were most effective, that 2011 offense, man, you had – Oh, so many weapons. You had him out the backfield. You had Sproles. You had Thomas. You had Jimmy over at tight end. You had Colston. You had Lance. You had all these guys that were just able to do things. And, and number nine was great at doing a lot. But you had those weapons around. And that's why I feel like, you know, if they can get a couple of those weapons in the offense, this could be a good year for Pete Carmichael too. But, you know, look, they've got to look at wide receivers. I know they're going to shop there. Um, maybe look at the draft. I know that could be a potential. But I would – Definitely kick the tires and, and start looking heavily in it. And I think Carr coming in New Orleans is going to help be an easier sell for a lot of these guys too. Somewhat keeping it on the theme of pass catchers, Joseph asks, we need Jawan Johnson back on a scale of 1 to 10. What do you guys think the probability is they bring him back? I believe Jawan's restricted, makes it a little bit mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so the Saints really do, in terms of the leverage of keeping him, that, that definitely benefits him there. Uh, John, what do you kind of think about that? I know Jawan Johnson's a guy that we talked about throughout the season as even in like the games where it's like, man, the Saints didn't show up. He did, and, and there were a lot of moments for him like that. Uh, what do you kind of think? Maybe not so much probability, but the the what do you think the, the I guess the best idea is for the Saints here in terms of addressing that tight end room? And it is worth noting that Derek Carr has had a lot of success with tight ends during his time with the Raiders. Yeah, look, I think because he's a restricted 
free agent. It helps the Saints, but, you know, those tenders have gone up a lot. You know, usually it was a no-brainer that you could say, hey, these guys are restricted. We can put those tenders on them. I think now it's like two, four, six for the the tenders there. And so, you know, I think for the Saints, maybe they can try to get something done for him. You know, how do you value him and such as far as where he he fits? And, look, Juwan's talented. I think he's he's done great converting from that wide receiver role to tight end and such. And so like they still have Taysom obviously, and they feel better about how they can use Taysom this year too. And, you know, whether you put them at quarterback, tight end, kick returner, punt returner, gunner, whatever you want to put them, he's just so unique. But look for Juwan, I think they'll get something there done because of the restricted tag, but they probably want to look at something a little bit more long-term secure. But, you know, do you, do you say that, based off his production, is that worth a $4 million tag at, at that second round tender, if you will, and and such? I think it, you could say, yeah, they got to figure out the cap situation with other things first before they can kind of move into that space. But some of these other restricted guys, I don't think they're going to tag those, uh, those players. It's a little bit harder for them like it has been in previous years. Uh, I think the probability is very high. Um, I, I think that – a long-term deal would obviously help as far as our cap situation goes. Um, but it's, to me, it's how do the Saints organization, how does the organization view the player? I've been in this situation before. Um, are they going to view him as their starting tight end and want to pay him starting tight end money? Or are they going to say he's one third of our start, starting tight end? We've got the blocker. We've got the jack of all trades and Taysom, and we've got Juwan Johnson, basically a receiving tight end, right? And he's not at the point of attack on a lot of run plays. That's just his role on this team. So, a four million dollar salary for a guy like that, to me, is reasonable. But then you've got to look at how much money Taysom's making, and then how much money Adam Troutman's making. So, how much money are we paying that t- starting tight end position? All three of those guys encompass one spot. So if that number becomes 20 million or more, then you have to think probably can't do the tender. And then if we sign him to a longer term deal, we're going to have to pay him more than $4 million. So I'm kind of in the middle. I would love to have him back. Um, But it's just, it's not quite as simple as, well, we want this guy back. He was great for us last year when you're in such a tough cap situation. Um, That to me is like, and you can look at Taysom as, okay, he's not just the tight end. He's tight end, quarterback, running back. He's in all these different groups. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I would love to have him back. I mean, he, I think he was one of the most important pieces of our offense last season. He's somebody that not just stepped up but stood out um, and was consistent the entire season. Um, and if we want to go to where we think we can go, I think we need a player like that on our team. So – I'm kind of in the middle. I guess I'll be six or seven. I'm, I'm not quite 10, and I'm definitely not one. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep them. It's just a matter of if you tender them. I, I don't think anybody would give up a second-round pick for them because that second-round pick has to come with a, you know, a long-term deal. Um, but you can't do the four or six, I don't think. I mean, he's, just, he's too productive, and um, then you run the risk of losing him and not being able to match any type of offer that somebody makes because we just don't have the money. Yeah, that, it's definitely going to be something to watch for sure. Uh, this is a pretty fun one here from Colton. Would you trade up for B. John Robinson if he slips past the 20th pick? I know we talked about running backs before, and I guess this is all honestly relative to what are the Saints doing free agency, but I think the one thing the three of us can all agree on in terms of excitement level, 
I think Bijan on the Saints would be pretty entertaining to see what that happens. Um, but John, we'll, we'll go to you and then we'll go to Lance here for this one. What's kind of the quick thought process on this? If if this was a situation, you're at 29, all of a sudden it's past the 20th pick, Bijan's still there, and you didn't get your running back yet. What are you kind of thinking in that moment? I think you're going to do your due diligence, but I, again, I just feel like there's other spots that are a little bit more pressing in some aspects. And of course, free agency's got to play out. Now, look, Everything I understand, they're they're expecting Kamara to get suspended. And even if he beats everything of the trial, that look, it, it still falls under NFL's personal conduct policy. Could be six games for him if that ends up happening. And so, look with him, it, it's probably just a matter of when it happens, right? And so, of course, it runs into training camp with his particular situation. July thirty first is his his trial date and such. And so, we'll see how that plays out. But look, he's going to be around for a good bit, and and of course. Bijan's an interesting one as it is, and I think he's probably—I don't know if I'd say he's the absolute best, but man, he's he's got a lot of upside and and such. I mean, he is probably the best guy in, in this class. But I feel like you can get some of the the talent there. Like if, of course, Ty J Spears is a big one that a lot of people fell in love with at Senior Bowl. Other guys, you know, uh, Gray from Oklahoma, a whole bunch of different ones that that are going to be available day two and three. So. I don't know if you'd say, hey, let's go trade up to get that guy if he slips past 20, because I don't know if he's going to slip past 20. I just don't see it happening. And of course, every year this stuff happens. Um, you know, it, it's just one of the things you look at the Florida quarterback right now, his draft stock is just going up through the roof right now. So it's just, you know, all those types of movements, always types things happen every single year. And so if he slips, I'll be surprised. But if he hovers in past the 20 pick, I think they'll do some calling. I don't know if that'll be mean that they'll get it done, though. Well, I mean, you, you said Alvin is more than likely going to be suspended. So I think there will be more than exploratory phone calls. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would want or I'd be interested in what we would have to trade to get from mm -hmm. 29 to 21 or 22. I mean, that might be too, a little too rich for what we think we can be able to get later in the draft with our other picks. Um, but you, you've got to do more than explore it. I mean, this has got to be an, an opportunity. I mean, can you imagine the one-two punch of, of him and Alvin? Oh, man. And hopefully it, hopefully it wouldn't be a situation, a, a Reggie Bush-Mark Ingram situation where, where we draft Mark Ingram and Reggie's out the door the next week. You know what I mean? Like, that's, right. that's not what we want. But, um, I mean, I, I would look into it. Um, I'm not sure that I would like want to give up a ton, which I'm sure whoever has the spot or the pick that we're trying to do is want the world from us. Um, so yeah, you, you do you do some exploring, and if there's an opportunity, I mean, shoot, if he falls to 29, you take him because I would I would imagine right. he'd be at the top at the top of our draft board by the time the 29th pick comes around. So if he if he falls all the way down there where teams are just not taking running backs again because you can get running backs in free agency or you can get them later in the draft then um so be it but if it's if he's there at 29 you've got to take him there's no doubt about that in my mind at all yeah i'd probably be sprinted to the podium at that point if that's the case but to kind of just you know hammered across for, for this before we get to the next question you guys both mentioned both the the cost and then also the fact that running back you can find other value in the draft uh it's not that long ago when the saints took alvin in 2017 you kind of think of how it went through Fournette and mccaffrey were guys that went in the first round both really productive players but you had alvin go in the third you had guys like kareem hunt go later on and even aaron jones way later so there are situations where you can find talent definitely uh, later on at that position 
Steven asked, and this kind of might go kind of goes hand in hand with the Jawan Johnson situation, but said, how will we feel about adding a Mike Isecki or a Dalton Schultz for Derek Carr? We know he had a connection uh, with Waller. Start with you, Lance. This is interesting. These are two really, really productive tight ends. These were cost an awful lot, though, I'd imagine. You know, Dalton not getting the tag, and then same thing for Gusecki here. Um, so how would you feel about that? I know it would be an expensive move, but I guess the, the logistics of it in terms of the scheme fit and stuff, what would you think about it? Well, I mean, I think both guys would fit. I mean, they're, they're, they're both really, really good pass catchers. I think Gusecki is a little more dynamic, a little more fluid and athletic. Um, but, but, you know, Dalton Schultz has had some very, very productive years in Dallas. And I would imagine that would translate well in this Pete Carmichael now, old Sean Payton offense. Um, but it obviously comes down to what happens with Jawan first, I would imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put the tender, let that ride, see what happens. Because um, I, I do think that those other two guys are going to be a little too rich for, for the amount of money that we're going to want to spend on that tight end position. Um, there are other positions that I think are going to be priorities over tight end. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, tight end is a quarterback's best friend. So as long as we have, you know, one or two of those, you know, guys that can catch some balls and then, then we'll be in a good spot. Yeah. I like Jacecki coming out of college. I thought I was like, I always thought, man, if there's a chance he could come into the offense, I'd, I'd love to pick him up. But you know, look again, the tight end market's really going to be interesting to watch this, this in free agency and such. And I, look, I think that, you know, if you keep Jawan and, and kind of what Lance alluded to earlier is how much are you paying that entire room now because of Taysom and, and then obviously at a Troutman and then obviously Jawan too, especially if you tag him. And so I, I don't know that you're going to look that way potentially. And, and I feel that they like Jawan Johnson a lot. They still like a lot of what Troutman brings to the table. And then they feel like they've kind of carved out that role and have a better vision of how to use Taysom and such. And again, whether how that it unfolds remains to be seen. So look, I think it would be cool to, to, to obviously have all these shiny toys that, you know, what do they say? One man's trash, another man's treasure. Not that they're playing bad, but you know, valuing these guys and, and such that I think some, some points they're going to just be, too expensive for the saints to look at. And there again, there's so many other pressing needs that they're just going to have to look at those first and fill those out first. Yeah, that, that, that is true. Those are definitely going to be costly guys there. Uh, phone <laughs> one here. Dustin has what, when did the Saints retire? Number 16. <laughs> this is a question. A lot of us has had, what do you ever think about that? I've never thought about that. Honestly, like I, I, I so, uh, obviously I've been out of high school for a long time and my high school retired my Jersey I want to say maybe not my rookie year, but early on in my career. And one of the first phone calls I made after I heard was to my head coach. I said, coach, I, I want somebody to wear my number. Like, I don't, I don't want people to not be able to wear it. First, it was number one. And number one is like the sweetest number to me. But I'm like, you can't retire my number, man. Like, I, I want somebody that does things the right way, that works hard, is a good person, and is a baller on the field. I want that person to be able to wear number one. Like, you can have a different standard for it. But but, you know, don't hang it up somewhere and say nobody can ever wear it again. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. Like, I, I had a little bit of a hard time with the Saints giving 16 away literally after they cut me. That was like, oh, man, like that's that's what you, what I meant to, to this organization for such a long time. Like, so it kind of hurt a little bit. But I, I, I look, man, I don't I don't want my number to be retired. I want the number to, to be able to be worn and somebody to wear it with pride and hopefully somebody to, to make it their own so that they can be the future 16 of the Saints. 
Yeah, it's, it's funny that you have like such a modest approach about it because I know when certain numbers get given out, like you mentioned 16 or even with Colson's number, you know, the, the fans just get up in arms like, I can't believe they're doing yeah, this. Yeah. Like it's almost like a crime against humanity. I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that that's the way you see it. Uh, John, this is a, a fascinating one here. Thoughts on Nolan Smith at 29. I know we kind of mentioned a lot of defensive linemen. Nolan would be a little bit more of a twitchy type of edge player. Um, I'm not sure if it technically fits the Saints mold. I'll have to do a little bit more work on him. But um, whether it's at the combine or not, have you thought about this kind of possibility or are you looking more towards interior defense alignment? Again, I still look at interior. I mean, not that they can't look at that aspect because you're always going to need people to affect the quarterback and, and such in terms of pass rushing. Smith is an intriguing guy. Look, I, I think he's going to have a, a pretty good career ahead of him and such. And, of course, this is all we're all talking just because, again, you, you did the work at college. And, you know, look, the combine is what it is because, again, most of these players have already put out the tape that's going to get them drafted where they're at. And, you know, for the combine, it is a chance for them to get to know these players and, and such. And, and look, Smith is, again, very intriguing. I don't think that the Saints would move that way. Never say never. Again, it's probably going to depend some on, you know, how they feel about Peyton Turner because if they do take somebody like that, then – it puts a lot more pressure on a Peyton Turner. I think they're going to try to see how it works with him this season. But again, I look at that interior thinking about how they got gashed last year against the run, how they just need some upgrade. They need some new blood there potentially. And so I, I just really feel like that interior, if I'm going to look at a defensive lineman in, in the 29 or, 30 or 40, it's got to be a DT and Smith. They'll be an intriguing guy again. I just don't, I don't, I just don't see it right now. I just don't see him being there at 29. Um, you know, a guy that, that, you know, tested off the charts. Obviously, he could run. Um, but if he is there, it's, it's, to me, it's back to that best player available situation. I mean, you're in the first round. These guys don't just fall out of thin air. I mean, these guys are first rounders for a reason. And you can never have too many pass rushers. Um, he was more of a stand-up guy at Georgia. He wasn't, this, you know, a, a, you know, a 4-3 hand-in-the-ground defensive end. But guess what? Caden Ellis played a lot of that last season on the edge of the line, kind of that that hybrid defensive lineman linebacker spot. And we know Nolan Smith can run. So that's not going to be a worry if, if he has to get out in space a little bit. I think he moves well enough, but I just don't think he's going to be there at 29. I, I think somebody has fallen in love with him enough to be able to take him in the top 20. Um, but if he's there, I would think about taking him for sure. I mean, it's, Sure, we need to shore up that the the middle of that defensive line, but if you got a dynamic pass rusher like that, I mean you 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 perk up at something like that and, and you know if you get the opportunity to get him in your building, because like I said, you you need as many of those guys as possible, especially when our best guy is moving up to what is he gonna be? Cam's gonna be thirty-four or thirty-five this year. So um yeah, you gotta at least explore if he's there. Talked about guys that could run. This won't necessarily be a first-round prospect, but maybe late day two, or early day three, depending on on how the pro day goes. Uh, Tulane running back Ty J Spears. I know in terms of pleasing the fans, this would definitely be up there. Um, but this is also technically a, a position of need for the Saints. We talked about that running back room. You might be without Alvin for a period of time, and even if you let's say were to have Alvin the whole season, they still need to get a little bit more juice into that backfield. Uh, so what do you guys think about this possibility with this intrigue? I know Tajay Spears finished his career on a one heck of a note with that win against USC. So what do you guys think about this possibility? Man, he'd be killer. I mean, you know, look, I, I think with, again, between the senior bowl and the combine, I mean, this guy's rising up 
charts, right? And so I, I don't think there's anything to dismiss or take away um, from him playing at Tulane. He played outstanding the way his stats were in the final back half of the season were just outstanding on fire type thing. A uh, guy works hard. He's just, I mean, you know, you talk to him, this guy's really intelligent and, and he could bring a lot to the saints offense. And, you know, I like the toys in the offense and such. So I think this is a guy that would make a lot of sense. I just don't know where he's going to fit. Ultimately, you know, I, I think early day three sounds right, but I don't know. I don't think you can say he's a late day two guy yet, but um, you know, early day three sounds right. And it depends on, you know, again, it's the, the hypotheticals are always, and I'm always a proponent why I don't like mock drafts this type of year is just because free agency hasn't played out. So if I'm going to take it based off of what they have now is completely different than after how free agency plays out. But Spears, if he's available, they got to get better at that running back position, no matter what. I mean, you know, Benjamin's the only guy, other guy that's really on the roster that could you know, have playing time. And so maybe there's some semblances there that he can bring to the offense, but you know, it, they still got to look at free agency and the draft for the running back solutions. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think he would be great. I think he would be a, a guy that could be similar to, to a lot of the things that Alvin does. Um, and if Alvin is suspended, then you've got your guy that can kind of take on that role while he's out. Um, it's just a matter of where are we going to try to get him? Are, are we going to try to get him, you know, earlier than we should? Are we going to wait too long and he's gone? I mean, that's the kind of the tricky part in, in this whole draft process and, Obviously, that's why the scouts are hard at work evaluating these guys and kind of ranking them where they think that they're going to go. Um, but I think he would be awesome. I mean, another dynamic playmaker. Um, you, you got that hometown feel that people can feel good inside about having a guy that was playing right there at Tulane. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you need weapons always, no matter how many you have, you need more. And I think he would be awesome in the black and gold. Yeah, be a lot of speed too. Spears, Olave, Shahid, uh, definitely something there that the Saints can utilize to their advantage. Question from Mac here, directed for Lance. It's pretty fascinating considering you know the ups and downs so far. Uh, how do you feel about Marquez Callaway and what he can do for the Saints, short and long term? I know Callaway is an interesting situation. There's been moments where, man, he's made some crazy catches. Also, some moments where you expect a little bit more, uh, at least from personal just experience just watching it so far. Lance, what have you kind of seen from him uh, in terms of things he can get better at, things you've liked? Hey, man, it is tough to be thrust into the lineup as a rookie and basically become the guy. And then the team draft a guy in the first round. Other guys come back healthy. You sign free agents back. And then you're like, okay, I'm right back to undrafted free agent Marquez Callaway again. Like, they forgot about what I did last year. So I can only imagine what he was going through mentally last season. Um, it's, and it wasn't because of injury. It'd be different if he was like, he came into training camp and got hurt during training camp or hurt early in the season when he was playing. And then the other guys started playing well. It was like, okay, you were one last year. We appreciate you. Now you're four or five even. And then you kind of have to just buy your time. And there was some, I believe there was a couple healthy scratches in there. And I felt for him. Like I just, I really did. Cause I know that this guy can play. Like he's not, he's not some slouch. And, and I guess to, to answer the question, Short term, he can add depth um, because I would imagine he's not going to be the starter, but he's got starter reps. So he's definitely a guy that we can count on. I just I think that the, 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 obviously Pete and the offensive coaches have, do, have to do a really, really good job of keeping him in it. That's something that I say to like the young receivers that I train. Some of them 
are varsity starters. Some of them are freshmen or sophomores and don't see the field. And I say, stay in it. Stay in it. What do I mean by that? I say, stay mentally in the game and you're preparing as if you're going to be the guy because you never know when you will be the guy. It might not be on your terms. It might not be when, when you think it's going to happen, but that something might happen. You might have three guys go down in one game and all of a sudden you're the guy that's getting all the balls. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you going to, or the light's going to be too big? Thankfully for Marquez, he's been the guy. So I know that he's going to be prepared. It's just a matter of keeping that preparation up, staying physically you know, ready to go, um, and basically just doing whatever they ask of him, learning all the positions. Don't just, don't just play one position or don't just play the outside receivers. Start playing that slot. Do that in the offseason so that when training camp comes, somebody goes down or somebody needs a quick water, you just jump in. I used to do that all the time when I was, when I was young in the Saints offense. 06, 07, offseason, OTAs, training camp. They didn't have me playing slot. I was playing Z or I was playing X. And then all of a sudden, oh, Lance, you can play the Z or you can play the F? Yeah, I'll play the F. I'll go in. I'll play the F. I'll make a couple of plays. And I'm like, oh, man, he can play the F. So that's how you – the more that you can do um, for him. And I, I don't see him as some outstanding special teams guy. I don't expect that out of him. But I do think that he is a valuable asset. Um, you know, I, I would love to see him play more, but if he doesn't play more right away, a guy that can step in and make plays because we've seen him do it before. Yeah. And, uh, John, you were at the combine, you mentioned, you know, quarterbacks before Anthony Richardson, a guy who's kind yeah. of risen up the ranks, someone who didn't get to throw because of injury Hendon hooker, Brian asks, what are the chances they can grab him in the third round? Yeah, I've seen this question a lot, and um, before Derek Carr, I thought it was a possibility. After I've seen the contract, I don't see him drafting a quarterback at all with anything. <laughs> Third round, if he's available and he's around, I think you got to look at it. But, you know, again, if your your belief is Carr's the guy, you got him on a four-year contract, let's say he's going to play at least three of those because that last year is a little bit weird as far as the salary cap goes then what's the point in drafting a guy like that? I mean, he could sit the bench. Yeah, he could sit and learn and grow and all that type of stuff. But, you know, I don't know. If you would have said Carr was on maybe a two-year deal, I would have said, okay, they should draft somebody. And if it's Hendon Hooker is available, 29 or 40, I think I run to the podium and turn that in really quick. But after seeing Carr and just kind of talking and getting a sense that they view him as that long-term guy, I just, again, there's too many other pressing needs to, to put on a quarterback – if you're going to draft one, maybe a, a later day three guy, but I just don't see the need now if, if Carr is your guy and there's no reason to start a quarterback controversy or anything like that. It's a guy that would literally just sit on your bench, assuming that Carr is going to stay healthy 100% of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we have maybe one, maybe two more questions before we wrap this up. Uh, question for both of you guys here. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but this is definitely something. You talked about the on-the-field stuff. Uh, Noah asks, how big of a game changer is Carr's leadership to his team? Obviously, Lance, you know from personal experience with Drew Brees just how important that is for the locker room. Um, from Carr, it seems like everyone says great things about him. How much of a factor can that be for a team like the Saints with a lot of veterans and uh, a good culture there? Well, it's going to be huge. Um, I mean, he's not just a guy that's played for a long time. He's a guy that's had success for a long time. And, and he's going to command the room like a coach. He's going to be an extension of the coaches on the field um, and that's no slight at any of the guys that we've had the last two seasons. I just think that Carr is a better player than the guys that we've had the last couple of seasons. And, um, you know, he's a guy that I believe is going to take this offense by the horns and make it his own. 
and be very communicative with his guys. He'll spend time with them. Um, and, and I do believe that, that the leadership aspect was something that, especially after Jameis got hurt, I, I feel like that was something that was really, really lacking on the offensive side of the ball. Who was the voice in the room? Who was standing up and telling these guys, we need to get it going when we're starting games super slow. We're not scoring in halves of football games or three quarters of football games. I don't know who that was. I mean, I was around at some of the games last year, and I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you who it was. A lot of times we have guys banged up, and then, you know, the, the guys that you're expecting to hear may not be the ones that are talking very much. So having a consistent voice in that offensive huddle and in that offensive meeting room is huge. And, you know, I think he's definitely somebody that the guys will rally around. Yeah, again, I think so, too. I, I look at last year, that speech he gave the Raiders, just about how emotional he got, you know, and just talking about taking up for his players, just like nobody knows what these guys go through every year. They don't know how much they play hurt, all the types of things that they mask just to be able to be on on the field and just how Carr's emotional side on it, just taking up for his teammates and just, just how, you know, he wants it. And I think that's a big thing is his drive and a guy that's going to practice what he, what he preaches and such. And so Drew was the same way. Like the guy was vocal. He guy, everybody could rally around him. And, and again, it's nothing against the guys that were quarterback. Andy's a likable guy. Jameis, I wish we could have seen what the full Jameis Winston effect was. Right. I, I just, I, I wish, and it's going to always be a what if, but with Carr, you've seen it, him practice what he preaches, and then he's going to come in here and he's going to be able to command the offense. I mean, players were recruiting him. You know, you know, it's not every day you get Drew trying to help pitch and bring a guy like that into the building too. So I really feel like between that and the way DA believes in him, um, you know, goes a long way for the Saints, and it's only going to, to echo what this team needs because Demario, I mean, we know he's a – He's pretty much the consummate leader of this team, right? And, 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 and especially in the defensive side, but just the team getting it pumped up. But they need somebody like a car in that locker room, too, to help echo and help reinforce to, to make sure this team does what they need to do. Yeah. And before we bow out, really quick, fun one for Lance. We, we started on a fun note. We'll end on a fun note. Oh, Lance, who's got the best touchdown celebration in the NFL? Uh, the best? Uh,. Look, I, I'm a guy that's like a, an old hater a little bit, and I'm salty that these guys get to do group celebrations, and I wasn't <laughs> around for that time. So I love all the group celebrations. Like, they just – like, they get so creative, and, and you can tell that they're practicing them because I know I was practicing them when I was doing it by myself. So I can only imagine having four or five or more guys, you know, trying to be on the same page. I I'm, I'm, I'm all for the group celebrations. I think it adds a whole new element of fun to the game. And it, it definitely is something that I think brings fans into the game. As well. Maybe they're not football fans, but, but they love to see the foolery of it. I know I do. And uh, I, I'm not sure that there's any team or anybody specific, but it's definitely, for me, the group celebrations. That's that's. Totally fair, and I, I could I would have sour grapes if I were you. So that's that's just the way I would look at it. But uh, guys, thank <laughs> I, you so much for it, taking the I time to sit here and chat with us. And uh, everyone who left at some point, so we definitely appreciate it. Hope everyone has a fantastic. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.